It's my honor to represent Milwaukee in Congress and to kick off the 2020 Democratic Convention. A lot of people have asked me, when others are going so low, does going high still really work? My answer, going high is the only thing that works. Hey everyone, it's Helen. Thanks for listening to Fresh Off the Vote. We're a grassroots podcast with a mission to make politics exciting and accessible. And our team is 100% self-identified Asian American Pacific Islander youth ready to make waves for this November 2020 election. We created the podcast as a home for conversations on the different key issues of the U.S. election and to discuss voter and civic engagement strategies for AAPIs by AAPIs. And speaking of the November election, this week from August 17th through 20th is the Democratic National Convention. So a little context and background before this episode. I am actually a Democratic National Convention delegate serving as an at-large delegate for Senator Bernie Sanders representing Democrats abroad or American voters abroad. I am really excited about this opportunity, but of course, uh, representing my state is something very different this time around because of COVID-19. Typically, the most common question I get is, what is a delegate and what the heck do you do? First, it's important to understand what is a presidential nominating convention in our contemporary times. These party conventions are two different animals, really. The first is to do the business of the conventions, which is get a nominee out there. Yes, we all know who it's going to be, but they have to do that. That's under the party rules and the way they've said it and, and how it all works. They've got to go and they've got to vote. So that's the official business. The rest of it is about putting on a face that voters will get an idea of who this candidate is and, and what this party is about. Right now, two major parties, the Republicans and the Democrats, and they both function every four years to pick a presidential nominee. Now, the way they pick that nominee is very different depending on their own rules and procedures. But today I'm going to describe a little bit about the Democratic nominating convention just because that's what's happening this week. So there are local party primaries and caucuses. Primaries are voting uh, for the party nominee through ballots. Caucuses are more people gathering and then convincing electors. And candidates who want to run for president have to get on the ballot for these states in order to be considered by voters. These delegates that you hear about are allotted based on the results of this voting and their proportion of winning in these primaries. So it's important to note that while on your TV screens, it'll say something like, oh, so-and-so wins Iowa because the Iowa caucus is first or so-and-so wins South Carolina primaries. Yes, that means they've received the majority of the votes. However, the Democratic Party in particular uses a proportional representation system, whereby if a candidate wins at least 15 percent of the vote in these local contests, then they are eligible to receive delegates. There are two types of delegates that you've probably heard of. One are pledge delegates. These are delegates who are allocated based on the proportional winnings to specific candidates. So you're going to hear there are Biden pledge delegates this election, Bernie pledge delegates, Warren, and even a Tulsi pledge delegate. 
These are awarded based upon statewide and regional contests. So maybe if a candidate wins 15% of the vote in a regional election only, they can still win these delegates. Now, you may have heard of the infamous superdelegates. And here is what is really very, very interesting and I think not a good thing. Over 400 of these superdelegates indicated their support for Secretary Clinton before anyone else was in the race. These were unpledged delegates to specific, uh, they were unpledged to specific candidates, basically. So you didn't really know how they were going to vote. Some people may argue that this doesn't sound very Democratic, right? So in 2018, actually, the Democratic Party changed its party rules in a very historic move where superdelegates, basically, unless there's a deadlock, really, superdelegates are no longer going to play that huge role. And people were afraid that these superdelegates would mean that the party establishment could essentially dictate who would be the nominee in advance. And it would be really hard for outside candidates to run if they didn't already know people on the inside of the party. So in 2018, they changed this. And also, they started encouraging states to switch from caucuses, which again, like I said, are more gathering, to primary election system. And this move was because people said that caucuses are a bunch of people crowded in a room and require time. And people take time off of work to do so. And so moving to primaries and doing absentee ballots that way or voting in person that way, it makes it more accessible than the previous procedures. So at the time of this recording, there are still some primaries going on. Because of the COVID-19 pandemics, a lot of primaries were pushed back. And so this year's election is unprecedented on many levels. But in terms of the delegate counts, and there's the presumptive nominee of Joe Biden, because he has gotten the majority of the pledged delegates. He has 2,727. Bernie Sanders received 1,118. Elizabeth Warren received 60. Michael Bloomberg, 44. Pete Buttigieg, 21. Amy Klobuchar, 7. And Tulsi Gabbard, 2. Another question I get is, do I get to vote on the platform? And the answer is yes. I'm not sure how this works in a non-COVID year, but at least for 2020, the platform was released prior to the convention and through the grapevine. And then people got to submit some amendments and recommendations so that these standing committees, the platform committee could review it and get some feedback from the delegates about who they're representing because technically delegates are representing American voters. With the convention looking a little bit different, delegates had to cast votes prior to the actual convention itself. So from August 3rd through 15th, we as delegates had time to cast our votes via an email PDF ballot document. There were three things we could vote on. One was the nominee, the presidential nominee, and the choices were Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, or you could abstain. Two, you voted yes or no on the Democratic Party's national 2020 platform. In three, there was a vote on a resolution to keep the unity uh, task commission. So part of me is 
obviously a little bummed, to be honest, because the convention is what I call a big nerd gathering of enthusiasts, something that's very, very exciting from what I hear in the past, doing caucuses, going to different meetings, hearing speakers. And it's a very tangible and sensory experience to meet, to hear, to participate in this part of our democratic process. And one of those is to go up to the microphone and cast your ballot for your pledged candidate. Very surreal experience with the press, people from all over the state delegations and even the world gathering together to support the next party nominee. However, as I mentioned, gathering together and infectious energy. Yep, that's also precisely why the DNC called it off this year with COVID-19 because it could be a total disaster if people got infected because with leadership in the U.S. already reaching capacity during these past few months, dealing with the coronavirus, we really can't afford to lose more people. I sat down with a couple of young Asian American Pacific Islander delegates who are also attending, and I say attending in quotation marks, attending the Democratic National Convention as pledged delegates. All of us all of us are first-time delegates, and here are some perspectives from them and what they believe the role of the delegate is and the future of the party and the convention. Could you say your name, age, who you're representing, and where you're representing? I'm Beth Wong. I am 28 years old. I'm in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and I am a delegate for Senator Sanders in Congressional District 7. Uh, my name is Wayne. Yeah, I'm 26 years old. I'm from Chico, California, but I live in Boston, Massachusetts now. And I'm a Bernie Sanders delegate to the National Convention for the 8th Congressional District of Massachusetts. Okay, I guess I'll go next. Uh, my name is Pratush Malik. I'm from Plano, Texas. It's near Dallas, Texas. I'm representing Bernie Sanders, the Democratic National Convention, representing Senate District 8. I'm 17 years old, but I'll turn 18 before the election, so I'm just barely qualified to be a delegate. Um, I'm a rising high school senior, so I'm passionate about things like student debt and the other things like universal basic income and ranked choice voting. Yeah, so I'm really excited to be here first off, but um, I'm Bianca Shaw. I'm from Rockville, Maryland, which is where I'm currently at and have been for the past five months. But I'm a rising junior at the University of Michigan, and I'm also on the national outreach team for South Asians for Biden, uh, kind of directing all the youth outreach efforts in terms of high school and college aged students mostly. And then I'm also an at-large Biden delegate for Maryland. I'm Anya Larenhardt. I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana. I currently live in Leipzig, Germany, where I attend medical school. I've been here for four years. I am a pledged Bernie Sanders delegate to the DNC, representing Democrats abroad. And we don't have representation, so we don't have a district. Why did you guys run to become a delegate? And how did you hear about it? Who did you hear it from? Tell us more about the process. I decided to run for delegate. I knew a little bit about the process beforehand, just having followed the 2016 primary election. I know that delegates are chosen at the state level and in the congressional district level. And this year, I actually was a part of a 
progressive movement in Massachusetts of younger folks who wanted to get more involved in our state Democratic Party. So I ran for, it's called an affirmative action seat, which isn't all that great sounding, but basically our state party is very white, is a lot older, and, you know, which isn't bad, but we want folks who are more representative of our state and our communities to be on there. And honestly, there isn't very much Asian American representation within the party, and let alone in campaigns or at the national level in the in the national convention. So I was really interested, and especially as a Bernie supporter, wanted to make sure that the voices of AAPI communities are involved. In my background, I work as a grassroots community organizer in Boston's Chinatown. So kind of the backstory to this is like, I was pretty involved with the Yang 2020 campaign, especially DFW for Yang. And so when Yang dropped out, we were all kind of just sad. And we are like, how can we carry on Yang's like main policies, RCV and UBI democracy dollars? The DFW Yang gang, we were like, okay, let's go represent a, a Yang at the Texas uh, State Convention. So I was one of the people who volunteered to become a delegate. And at that time, Corona didn't exist. So yeah, that was like a cool trip planned to like, to go down to the Capitol and go to the convention. That didn't happen, but <laughs> I kind of joined the preliminary process of becoming a national delegate because I wanted to promote Yang's policies. I'll pass a resolution on RCV uh, at the Texas State Convention, and then <laughs> we passed a failed resolution for UBI, but oh, we didn't pass it. We pushed a failed resolution for UBI. Um, and from there, my precinct chair was like, hey, you're pretty young. Are you old enough to become a delegate? So we looked... We spent a day like looking through the DNC rules and we found that I'm just barely old enough to be a delegate. So we we're like, why not? Let's do this. Let's represent young Asian people. My precinct chair is um, an Asian American. So we were like, let's represent young Asian Americans and show that anyone, if they try hard enough, can be represented in any level of politics. Yeah. So um, like I said before, I'm involved in South Asians for Biden. And it was actually people at South Asians for Biden who had alerted me that they knew of this form I could fill out to be an at-large delegate. So let me start at the beginning. It was basically a very unique and I think different experience for me than most delegates. So I never originally ran for delegate in a district and I was chosen after the elections as an at-large delegate by the Biden campaign with the help of the Maryland Democratic Party. So once the South Asians for Biden people, in especially in the DMV area, had told me that there was this form you could fill out to be an at-large delegate, I decided I didn't have anything to lose, so I might as well apply and fill it out. And I was just hopeful that having experience in local Maryland politics and with the Maryland Democratic Party would help. Also, I was definitely aware of the fact that you check off your identities. I'm young, I'm Asian American, I'm woman, I'm a woman, and those are all identities that we don't see that often. Like kudos to both of us, but that's something we don't see that often in politics. So I was very aware of that as well. And then I think all the at-large delegates for at least Maryland and that round were then selected by the Biden campaign. So after a call and a couple weeks later, a month later, I get this random call when I'm at work and saying from the Maryland Democratic Party, basically telling me that I had been chosen by the Biden campaign and congratulating me. And so the next step was being officially elected by the Democratic State Central Committee of Maryland. And so they then had a meeting where they had like discussions and debates to approve all the at-large delegates and all the alternates. And after that meeting, I was officially a delegate. 
I heard about the opportunity to run for the delegacy through my precinct captain and Democrats abroad because she's been more involved with like higher levels of Democrats abroad. So she um, posted in our group chat if anyone was interested in running to be a delegate. And then she also approached me personally because she knows that I'm in medical school. She knows that I have a lot of strong opinions. She knows I've always been a big Bernie supporter. And yes, so she encouraged me to run for this. I'm really grateful to her. And then I decided to run mainly because I was really curious about the process. I didn't actually think I would win. I didn't know what to expect in the process. I didn't know how many people were running. And like looking back on it now, I think that I really wanted to take that opportunity to be more present in Democrats abroad, really as a way of like reclaiming my Americanness, because, um, you know, living abroad, um, I feel like I don't really have that much to do with American politics right now. I mean, you know, you look on the news and you're like, oh, God, what's happening? So simple question. Tell me what you do as a delegate. Um, if you were to describe the role of the delegate position to someone else, what would you say to our listeners? The basics of being a delegate are representing other Bernie Sanders uh, supporters in my congressional district, uh, CD7 in Massachusetts, which is much of greater Boston. It's the district that Ayanna Presley represents. I think part of my role is to get elected was to reach out to as many Bernie delegates who I knew as possible, as many of the Bernie delegates who I knew understand what motivated them, what was what was the longer term vision for what Bernie Sanders supporters uh, can and should be doing in Massachusetts and in and across the country, and what type of movement building work we should be doing into the future. So that is kind of the loftier idea of what it means to be a delegate is to represent um, the energy of Bernie Sanders supporters in my congressional district. And then the more operational responsibilities of being a delegate include casting my ballot, which I'm holding off on until tomorrow, which is the day of action to vote no on the Democratic Party platform because it does not include Medicare for all. And so that is the kind of cut and dry version of being a delegate this year in, in the pan, during the pandemic uh, convention. Our state party is hosting a drive-in watch night in the area of Boston with the most development and gentrification. <laughs> um, and I don't, I'm trying to make up my mind whether I want to go to that or not. But that is, uh, so those are the two versions of being a delegate, the much loftier version, and then the somewhat less exciting version. Usually at the convention, they're basically trying to recreate all of the, what we would do at the convention into the virtual platform. So we'll see how it goes. But um, I think that one possible upside to it is that when we are on these virtual networking events, you are very like you're on an individual call with probably one or two other people with like way fewer distractions. All they have to do is literally network with you. So, I mean, that's one potential upside if we're looking at it glass half full. So, um, and then there's also breakfast where they're going to bring in like prominent Maryland and I think national speakers, hopefully to drop into those bre virtual breakfasts where well, I guess we'll all eat our breakfast together. And then they're also having like a, um, a thing where we can, a chat roulette, I think they're calling it, with different elected officials in Maryland. So that would be cool because, again, all of us are like mostly activists and uh, in Maryland. So hearing from and being able to talk to directly to 
uh, other elected officials would be really cool. Yeah, I would say in normal times, the experience of delegates at the convention, you know, as a first time delegate, what I've heard about it and what I've been able to see about it online sounds really exhilarating. Like thousands of people being on a convention floor, things are fast moving, even when like it's not a contested convention for who the presidential candidate is going to be, but things like resolutions and platform items and kind of this like political jockeying uh, of what's going to be included in a platform or not. But given COVID-19 and the pandemic, everyone's home, everyone's across the country, people are plugging in the, the role of the delegate, at least from what I'm experiencing compared to what my, my observation of what it was going to be like is drastically different. And also knowing that, you know, Bernie dropped out when he did made an impact too, because he made an agreement with Biden to try and maintain as many delegates as he could and remain on the ballot in the rest of the late voting states in the primary that he could still accrue delegates. And what I'm learning is that delegates don't have as much sway or influence as much as standing committee members. There's regional delegates, as I said, allocated based on different local elections. There's at-large delegates for your state. In terms of what they do, there's the Credentials Committee, resolving questions related to delegates and alternates. There's the Platform Committee, which is what it sounds like, drafting the national platform for the convention. And they definitely meet prior to the convention. That's important to note. And there's the Rules Committee, which ensures kind of how is the party going to be run? How is the convention going to be run? And they also meet before the convention to give these recommendations. And they don't all have to be delegates. They can be anybody from all of the states who the presidential candidates appoint, right? And what I learned is that Bernie, because he had a deal, he had an understanding with Joe Biden, that he got to maintain a third of the appointees to all of those committees. Um, had he just dropped out and not made some type of agreement, all of those people would have been Joe Biden delegates or Joe Biden appointees to those committees, right? And those committees, like the Credentials Committee, is the one that is tasked with um, determining if a state's delegation to the convention is valid or not and can be seated or not, as in like, do they get to have their ballots counted and voted on? Like they're, they're the ones who say, um, are all of these votes from overseas for Democrats abroad valid? And do we get to accept all of these delegates? And then the rules committee is the one that decides like the general procedures of the convention. And most recently they also passed a resolution to say, we're going to, continue the unity reforms that were passed in 2016, including superdelegates or automatic delegates not voting on the first ballot. So that was a pretty important big deal. And But the biggest thing is the policy platform committee, which of course, like, you know, there's the unity reform commission or Biden and Sanders' uh, task force 
on the policy and they all came up with the, the recommendations and the platform committee came out with a proposal. And each of those committees could have come out with a minority report with the dissent if 25% of the committee members voted against it. And then it would go to the floor of the convention for all of us as delegates to vote on on the minority report. But unfortunately, there aren't any minority reports for us to vote on. Um, so that I think so that's why we're seeing individual delegates organizing and taking up the initiative, particularly on Medicare for All on the platform right now. So yeah, I would say the role of the delegates is minimized right now. And because we're going virtual is happening before the convention itself. Being a delegate, it's a cool title. You can say, oh, I'm a de delegate at the Democratic National Convention. But we really, we do a little bit, but we don't single-handedly decide the party platform. We're responsible for coordinating with other delegates and pushing different resolutions we'd like to see on the platform, different rule changes. Like last week, we had a rules and resolutions committee meeting where a couple delegates uh, co-signed a resolution for ranked choice voting. That resolution was shut down, but <laughs> I know it's sad. But yeah, so it's stuff like that. It's like uh, pushing reforms in the party and ensuring that the party has a platform which considers the voices of people that the delegates are representing. So we're like bootleg congressmen. Um, I want to jump on this point you talked about resolutions. For, uh, for people who didn't, don't know what resolutions are, it may be, for instance, for instance me, my understanding of resolutions is either New Year's resolutions or Model UN resolutions. And both of those are pretty ineffective. Yeah, so a resolution is like document outlining a policy change uh, you'd like to see. They're usually co-authored or authored by a delegate or another, like, like a committeeman. And they're co-signed by the delegates. So there's a big resolution going on uh, about um, reducing military aid to Israel based on their Palestinian expansion. So that was a huge thing. I think, I can't remember his name, but it was a California delegate who started it. And he pushed that resolution um, across uh, multiple of our, uh, many of our delegate group chats. I think it has nearly 250 signatures uh, signed by delegates. So it's like a document which delegates co-sign and use that as leverage to push into the platform. I'm actually really grateful to the Medicare for All petition, not only because it's doing important work and it's, you know, generally a good thing, but also because when I say, when I use, for example, Bernie delegates from Nevada have, have organized a petition that the delegates will vote no as a block for Medicare for All, people say, oh, I understand now what you're doing, you know. But other than that, I think it's really just mainly about networking. Like, for example, I've been writing a lot for the Young Delegates Coalition, especially in terms of healthcare. We um, drafted proposals for the Unity ta um, for the Unity Task Force um, on healthcare, and we also wrote an opinion piece on the eventual recommendations they published. I think just saying concrete things like "This is what I've been doing," blah blah blah. It helps people understand it a lot better than when I just say, oh, I represent, I represent Bernie Sanders' campaign.
As I'm sure a lot of people have noticed, in the recent years, the Democratic Party itself has started having a split between the moderate, centrists, and the more progressives. And one of the policies that people have been disagreeing upon is how to realize expanded healthcare coverage. And one of the issues is Medicare for all. So with this election, there were a couple of delegates, but I would say majority Bernie Sanders delegates and a couple of Biden delegates who organized a so-called protest vote on the platform because on the ballot, a delegate can vote yes or no for the Democratic national platform for 2020. And looking at the language specifically in there, Delegates, some delegates believe that it wasn't enough to ensure Medicare for all. So what Anya is about to talk about is this petition that occurred to rally delegates behind this initiative. I don't know. It was just not very it was accessible in some ways, but it just was not very like concrete for me. For example, for the Young Delegates Coalition, we were drafting these proposals to the Unity Task Force recommendation to the Unity Task Force. And I drafted this text on um, reducing return on mortality. And then it actually is in like, it's in the platform. And I just don't even know, like, I never even knew who we submitted this to. I guess, I guess this kind of just speaks more to like me being not especially organized. And I'm sorry for that. But I don't think that I am particularly unorganized or that I have a particularly different experience than many other delegates. It just felt like the official channels, and there were official channels, but it felt like they weren't necessarily very obvious. And especially because it was never an official announcement in terms of the platform, which is like, oh, here, you have 48 hours. But by the time I thought my 48 hours were like, like my 48 hours started like 18 hours in, you know, which is a big deal when you only have 48 hours. So actually, um, Helen and I were working on drafting something as the delegates of Democrats Abroad for the platform. And then we found out that 48 hours had already passed. And we were like, wait, what? But I just got this Wednesday. And they were like, well, it came out Tuesday. And I was like, well, I didn't know that. How am I supposed to know that? You know, Um, I I don't want to say that if someone tries really, really, really hard to stay on top of everything and to read all of these um, proposals going around and to submit everything over several different channels to a ton of different things that it's not possible to really have access to concretely changing the platform. But for me as a person, just like, you know, I have a job, I study, um, I have other things going on in my life. This is not my full-time job. It was very difficult for me to really have like, you know, like clear guidelines. Here's what you, here's what you want to do. Here's what you need to do. You know, I originally thought that because the platform pertains to the party, that when they had a draft, they would send a massive document to all of us through the official channels. However, the way I found out about the platform was through informal channels, such as Facebook, such as Slack groups that were formed by young delegates like us. One thing I wish the party would improve on is if this process was more transparent. Yeah, I completely agree with you guys. Like, the past few days have been like really uh, confusing. Like for first time delegates, especially. Are we all first time delegates? Yeah. Okay. I I'm speaking for myself here. I'm, I was just really. It's like a it's a learning curve. Definitely. There's no like guide on what does a delegate do or what the convention procedures are. You kind of just learn on the go, and it's really 
bad for a party that's very hyper-focused on accessibility inclusivity that they make it so difficult to kind of understand these processes, especially during a situation like we're in right now where the COVID pandemic has forced us to like separate. Um, and that alone should give the party enough justification to f be more focused on ensuring everyone knows what's up and how everything happens. So I agree with you guys, like they should definitely focus more on engaging the delegates especially the first time ones and ensuring everyone knows what what they're doing and kind of the powers they have and uh, how they can, you know, like submit reforms to a platform, et cetera. Um, I just wanted to say that I personally also question like the necessity of delegates to nominate a presidential candidate, because if we were just going by, you know, the results of the elections, which would be a democratic process, it's like, if delegates are assigned proportionally and we get rid of superdelegates, as, you know, people have been trying to do, then I do sort of question why we would need a convention to nominate a presidential candidate. I understand it for the platform, but not necessarily for this process. I don't know. Maybe that's just my opinion. Now, something else I want to elaborate, uh, I've been told by people who have gone to conventions before that these are amazing large-scale events a gathering the energy is electric it's just something to experience in person right but conventions are actually quite expensive at least from what i've heard and i personally have calculated if you're going to be a delegate which is an elected position but also purely volunteer getting to the convention requires playing tickets staying in hotels requires more money hotel fees not to mention you need to eat and do other things and, I don't know, probably spend some amount of, al like, a large amount of allowances at this event. And so delegates often have to self-fundraise to, to, from their delegations and their communities to get to this event itself. And I'd also like to add on to the thing you mentioned, uh, Helen, about cost. It's, it's just, um, it's, for a, a party that's all about inclusivity, it's only meant for the people who have the resources to get to the convention. This convention is an exception, but in past years, I used to like read, at like in 2016, I remember reading a story about people who they were working like minimum wages, uh, but they were delegates. So they had to pay like upwards of four or $5,000 just to be at the convention. They had to pay tickets for party events. And overall, it, for a democratic process, it was very undemocratic. For me also, as a first time delegate, I, and especially because of the pandemic, like wasn't very in the loop. There wasn't an orientation or a guide or anything like that telling us when to look out for certain emails. Um, it was really just because Bernie delegates naturally are organizers or are movement oriented and really wanted to connect with other people. So when something kind of sprung up, we were like, oh, this is something that we have to act on. So overall, I am finding that delegates have a more ceremonial role and symbolic role in the process, but very little say in what comes to the table and what's presented on the table. I think more seasoned folks who have been delegates before or been to previous conventions may know the process, but I think that's especially why it's all the more important for folks like us who represent communities that typically aren't 
as involved, but also younger generation folks and really intergenerational collaboration is important so that the folks who have been a part of this work for decades can really envision and have a strategic plan for what's the future of the Democratic Party supposed to look like and what do we want it to look like in 5, 10, 20 years and how can they pass it on to us to take over the lead on. So do delegates still matter? Do conventions still matter? During almost every single presidential election year in 2012, 2016, and now in 2020, there has been some article published by newspapers and magazines that asks, do party conventions still matter? Or the headlines, why party conventions still matter? Are these party nominating conventions still relevant to our democratic process? Are they democratic enough? I would say from my personal perspective serving as a first-time delegate in 2020, while my power is, I would say, quite limited when it comes to voting on the platform and the nominee, especially in a COVID-19 year, it can feel that way because everything is live streamed and there's less interaction between me and the convention attendees. Being a delegate has served as a platform. It's a platform for young individuals in America to get involved. I've seen a ton of delegates by becoming elected by their localities, get to know our civic engagement process a lot more. They've used it to get out the vote and become ambassadors to get more young people involved in understanding how American politics works. And each time a convention happens, it's forced a lot of debates about the way we perceive and form the processes to select people for our leadership in this country. So these are only a couple of thoughts from our young AAPI delegates that I talk to. And in our next episode, you'll hear more about who inspired them to get involved and what they do on a local organizing basis. It's been incredibly inspiring to chat with them, and I really can't wait for all of you to hear their words. All of what's happening at the Democratic National Convention is online, and while virtual, this has meant that everyone with the stable internet access relatively can now access and hear the speeches and councils and caucuses that are going on. So... Thanks, everyone, for tuning into this episode of Live from the DNC. We really appreciate you listening to us at Fresh Off the Vote. Follow us on Instagram at Fresh Off the Vote. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. We upload every single Monday. And we also have bonus episode contents coming up during the week. So stay tuned. Again, we are a bunch of young Asian American Pacific Islander youth who are passionate about civic engagement and understanding this process and getting out the vote. But we run on contributions from viewers like you. We've recently launched a Buy Me a Coffee. You can go check us out there. And yeah, if you like our content, support us by buying us a coffee. If you have any ideas of what other content you want to see and hear from us, hit us up. We greatly appreciate any feedback and encouragement. Thank you guys, and we'll see you next time. Bye.